Our scripture reading this morning comes from Acts 3, 11 through 26. This can be found on page 1695 in your pew Bibles. Acts 3, 11 through 26 continues the narrative after the incredible healing of a disabled beggar by Peter and John at the temple gate called Beautiful, which generates a significant commotion among the onlookers. Particularly noteworthy is Peter's response to the beggar's request for money. Peter proclaims, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. While the beggar held onto Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place, in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disavowed him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, This man who you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent, then, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped away, that times of refreshing may come upon from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything that he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Indeed, all of the prophets from Samuel on, as many as have spoken, have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless by you, bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Years ago, I went on a trip to Israel with a group of Calvin Seminary students, and it, the trip was open to family members. So one of the students, a second career student in her 40s, brought her dad along. Let's call him Andy. Andy was a devout Christian man in his 80s, and he was probably the most excited person on that trip. We did a lot of sightseeing, and he went everywhere with just enthusiasm because he was just excited to see places where Jesus walked. You know, we explore many places, many places where ties to God, Jesus, and the Bible were quite obvious. Places like Jerusalem, the Judean wilderness, the Jordan River, and... Uh, the Galilee region. 
But we also went to places like Beshean and Masada where connections to Jesus aren't quite apparent. On top of all this, we also um, spent quite a bit of time talking to different groups of people, uh, Palestinians, Muslims, Arab Christians, Jews, and Messianic Jews, just listening to their lived experiences in the modern state of Israel. Whatever we were doing, wherever we were, our Andy was just eager to make the connection to Jesus Christ. And when that connection wasn't quite clear, he would just raise his hand and ask questions, ask questions like, how does this relate to Jesus Christ? Or what's this got to do with Jesus Christ? For example, one time we were at a Jewish settlement uh, in the West Bank. Um, under international law, such a settlement is considered illegal. Um, so the representative of the settlement greeted us, took us on a quick tour, and she sat down with us, and she began justifying from her religious perspective, from her Jewish faith perspective, um, she began justifying the existence of her settlement. And during that conversation, Andy had enough. So he just raised his hand and says, how does Jesus factor in all this? The representative cleverly kind of dodged the question and we just quickly moved on. But I could sense that the entire group, including the daughter of Andy, we were quite embarrassed. As I was preparing this sermon, Acts 3, especially our scripture reading this morning, kept reminding me of Andy's question, how does Jesus factor in all this? I mean, let's be real. The question was not the most appropriate question given the situation. But yet, there is still some, something beautiful about this 80-something-year-old man trying to make sense of the world through the lens of the resurrected Christ. Because being witnesses for the king involves, often involves us pointing out how Jesus factors in our world. In other words, Andy's question is one that we as witnesses for the king need to ask ourselves and be prepared, prepared to answer for others. As David explained earlier, our passage follows this miraculous healing of the man who's, who had never been able to walk in his life. In the name of Jesus Christ, he was healed and he was able to jump up and down for joy. That word quickly spread and soon enough, people didn't just gather to see the miracle, but that in verse 11, we're told that they came running to see the miracle. They wanted to see what this was all about. And they, when they saw that the rumor was true, they wanted to know more about the power behind this miracle. So they naturally turned toward Peter and John. The stage was now set for Peter's second sermon in the book of Acts. Like the first sermon on Pentecost, Peter sees an opportunity here to explain what just happened and what this means. And the first thing that Peter does is he redirects their attention. He says that Peter and John were not the miracle workers they thought they were. The power did not come from them. The miracle did not come from them. Then suddenly, starting in verse 13, Peter sort of takes the sermon into an unexpected direction. 
away from the miracle itself and the power behind the miracle. Peter begins addressing the crowd as the Jerusalem Jews who rejected, disowned, and killed Jesus. Peter uses a lot lot of polemic irony and the messianic images from the book of Isaiah to highlight the grave evil that these people did to Jesus. Peter also makes it very personal by using the you language. Notice in 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 the passage there, Peter says, you handed over God's servant Jesus, you disowned Jesus, you asked Pilate to release a murderer to you instead of the holy and righteous one, you killed the author of life. You did all of this to Jesus, the Messiah. Now, what was Peter doing here? What was his point? What was he getting at? The answer is found in verse 15. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. Then comes the all-important W word that we are focusing on in this sermon series. And we are witness, witnesses of this. This resurrected Christ. Then Peter emphatically declares that the man was healed in the name of Jesus. The same Jesus they disowned and killed. In his name here means in, the, in or through the power of the resurrected king. The miracle here, the miracle that was done in the name of Jesus Christ, is the proof that even though the crowd disowned and killed him, God raised him from the dead and has now glorified him. It's the proof that Jesus that they killed, who, whom they killed, was the servant of God, was the holy and righteous one, was the author of life, and was the Messiah. I kept saying was, but he is the Messiah. Now, what could you possibly do when you're the ones who killed the Messiah? Repent and turn to God, says Peter. Peter masterfully connects the dots between the miracle done in the name of Jesus Christ and what people should do to respond to the miracle. Peter not only explains the nature of the miracle, but dives deeper into its significance and what it signifies. The miracle serves as a signpost pointing to something greater that's coming in the future. It stands as a testament to the ultimate healing and blessings that will be fully realized when Jesus returns to restore all things. Peter calls it the time of refreshing, when the resurrected king will bring with him not only physical, mental, and emotional healing, but also the liberation from our human brokenness, sinfulness, and even death itself. Peter, Peter's sermon here carries a profound implication for us as witnesses for this king. It's a roadmap for how we can live our lives as witnesses in this world. But he, there is one huge problem. We cannot perform miracles. I don't know about you, but I can't. Let me know if you have superpowers. 
but we cannot perform miracles. Being witnesses in this secular environment has many challenges, but one of the most challenging things for many Christians is finding those windows of opportunities to talk about Jesus and share their faith. It would be so much easier if we could perform miracles. Only if we could go down to a hospital and start healing patients in the name of Jesus Christ. Being a witness in this world would be so much easier. It would be so much simpler. But that's not the case. It may seem like there is a lack of opportunities, evangelistic opportunities for us out there. But the reality is that those opportunities don't always have to come in the form of miracles. They don't. So what if we changed our perspective just a little bit and look for those opportunities elsewhere? What if we began to notice how the name of Jesus Christ factors in our world? Not just in extraordinary events, but also in all life circumstances. As Reformed Christians, we affirm the words of Abraham Kuyper, who declared that there is not a single square inch in this world that Jesus does not claim as his own. In other words, Jesus, the resurrected king's power, is actively involved in every square inch of our universe. God is at work everywhere. In everything that we see around us, God is there. That includes not just the good things, but also the bad things and the ugly things. Even in situations of conflict and strife, like the war in Ukraine or the violence and injustice we see in our society, God is somehow at work in those things. That doesn't mean that God approves of the war or that he wants injustice and violence, no. But rather it means that in the midst of those incomprehensible situations, God is somehow working out his purposes according to his will and plan. That means we don't have to wait till the war is over. We don't have to wait until justice and peace are established in this land. We can start pointing to Christ right now because God is already doing his work. All the world events that we see around us are opportunities for us to be witnesses for the king. And as a Christian community, our task is to ask that question. How does Jesus factor in all this? And the next step is to share our answers with those around us. And the same God is also actively involved in our lives. He is working out his purposes in all areas of our lives, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Not just when we are getting promotions, but also when we are not getting that promotion that we wanted. And especially when we are experiencing difficult times. Not just when we're experiencing healings, but also, and especially also when we're not experiencing the healing that we've been praying for. God is there, working out his purpose. I get it, though. It is often much easier for us to use 
the good times to share the gospel. But the truth is, it's more effective if we use our struggles and moments of vulnerability, our good, not our good things, but the bad things and even ugly things. When we use them to point people to Christ, it's more effective. People are more likely to listen and resonate with our life experiences when we openly share our struggles and challenges. We don't have to wait until something extraordinary happens in our lives. Being witnesses for the king calls us to use all our real-life circumstances, even the difficult ones, and especially the difficult ones, to invite people to see Jesus as their Messiah. So let's ask ourselves the questions. What are the good things, the bad things, and the ugly things happening in your lives today? And how is God at work in those things, accomplishing his purposes? In other words, how does Jesus factor in your life? But here's a challenge. How do we even begin to notice what God is doing and how Jesus is factoring in our life? It begins with recognizing the transformative power of the name Jesus. It begins with recognizing the transformative power of the name Jesus Christ. In our passage, we see that Peter is accusing the crowd of disowning Jesus. There's a lot of irony in there, isn't there? Because who would understand disowning Jesus better than the apostle who denied him three times? In fact, the word disowned in our verses 13 and 18 is the same root word that all four Gospels use to describe the story of Peter's trifle denial of Jesus. Then, who would understand the transformative power of Jesus' name Better than, the, better than the apostle who disowned him three times. See, Peter denied him three times, but on the shore of Galilee, the resurrected king forgave Peter. Not only that, he reinstated Peter. Not only that, he charged Peter to take care of his flock. That transformative experience opened Peter's eyes to see how Jesus was factoring in the world and in his life. The, the crucifixion, the suffering, the death, the resurrection, and his, his own denials were all part of God's plan. And God foretold all that through the prophets. And all this, God worked out his purpose to pave the way of salvation for sinners like Peter, you, me, and all peoples on earth so that they may experience the time of refreshing and blessing. You and I are standing here today, or you are sitting down, but you and I are here today as a testament to the transformative power of Jesus' name. While we were still in our transgression, God loved us and liberated us from sin and death in the name of Jesus Christ. And now God is continuing his work in us so that we may do the good works that we were created, chosen, and redeemed to do, namely being witnesses for the king. 
our lives, everything that we are, everything that we have, are opportunities for us to share the gospel. Because in all those things, our resurrected King Jesus factors in. God is actively working out his purposes in the good, the bad, and the ugly. So if you have extraordinary, miraculous testimonies, please do tell. Share your stories with the world. Tell them about what God is doing in the name of Jesus Christ in your life. But just know this. Being a witness is not, a, it's not limited to those extraordinary events or miracles. If you, are, if, you, if you did not get the promotion that you pray for, if you are not experiencing the healing that you pray for, if you're struggling with something else, those are also the stories that you can tell to point people to Christ. Because as the Bible teaches us, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. So ask the Holy Spirit to help you see how Jesus, the name of Jesus, is factoring in already in your life. Ask for the strength and the courage to boldly share your stories in the name of Jesus Christ. We need to share our stories because in our stories is the presence of God, the work of God, the transformative power of Jesus' name. So let me leave you with this story. I used to volunteer for uh, ALS camp, annual ALS camp. Um, And doctors and nurses in this body will correct me if I get this wrong, but ALS is a um, neurodegenerative disease. All right, I'm looking for the doctors and the nurses. Nobody's correcting me just yet. Um, It's a neurodegenerative disease disease that um, makes you lose your muscular functions gradually to the point of death. Um, Over the years of me serving at this camp, I saw what ALS could do to a person. Um, And it's not the most glorifying glorifying thing in the world. One of the highlights every year for me was um, the testimony time. Uh, They were sharing about their lived experiences. There was a high school student, um, and he was a regular at the camp, and when I was a sophomore in, co- sophomore year, sophomore in college, um, he shared his testimony during one of those um, testimony times. Um, I, I had known that he was a Christian man, but um, because the camp wasn't a Christian camp, he and I only briefly talked about our faith, and, and, um, and it was a private conversation. But that night, he wasn't shying away from his Christian identity. He talked about what kept him going, what gave him hope and comfort in spite of the knowledge that his muscles will eventually fail him and he will die as a result of it. He said that as a Christian man, he found his hope and comfort in his God. He added that his very flawed body itself was a signpost to something greater in the future. His disease was a testament to the ultimate healing that he will experience when Christ comes back. He said, when he dies or Christ comes back, 
whichever came first, that day, his Messiah, his resurrected king, will restore his body. And not only that, when that day comes, he will begin to experience his eternal life with his, in his renewed wholeness, this eternal life with his resurrected king, his Messiah, his ultimate healer. Because starting that day, death will be no more. Siblings in Christ, that's how Jesus factors in our lives. That's the transformative power of Jesus' name. While people are captivated by the power of extraordinary events and miracles, Peter's sermon reminds us that there is nothing more powerful and captivating than the name of Jesus Christ. We have been privileged to experience that transformative power. And we have an opportunity here, an honor and privilege, to share that name with those around us. So let's share our stories, the good, the ugly, the bad. Let your stories and your life be used to point people to the hope and redemption and transformation in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the transformative power of your Son's name. And we humbly ask you for understanding, guidance, and strength as we seek to live our lives as witnesses for the King. Open our eyes to see how your work, how, how your power is at work in us and in the world, even in the midst of challenges and struggles we face. Help us to embrace those moments of vulnerability and use them as windows of opportunity to share our faith and point others to Christ and the transformative power that he has in his name. We pray that you would use us to bring hope, healing, and comfort to those around us. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.